Good morning, Dorisville. We are glad that you are here today. Thank you so much. Memorial Day weekend, and uh, some folks already started their vacation plans and all of that, but we are certainly glad you are here. And today we start a new sermon series, and you may say, well, what's a sermon series? That's when we take about three, four, five weeks, and we kind of talk about a general topic from God's Word. And the sermon, this, this series is called Divine Desperation. Be sure to note the divine, okay, as in the vine, divine. Now you say, well, where'd you get that from? Well, it goes way back when we were just a young couple, and we knew a guy named Albion Menz, and he was from West Ghana. And probably one of the most godly men I ever knew, a young man. Unfortunately, he happened to be a, a black man in a white society. And if there's ever a man that needed to be a youth minister, it was him. But not a church would touch him because of his skin color. Isn't that sad? But you know what? God had plans for Albion. God used him in a great way. But being from West Ghana, his accent kind of got in the way of his talking. And so we had them come over, and him and another guy come over to do a marriage series for me at my very first church. Excuse me, my second church. And he, would, he taught us a course that I know to this day, and in my mind, I can still hear it. It's based on John 15, 5. Here I've been going, I am divine. You are the branches. And to this day, whenever I think about John 15, 5, I think of divine, not the vine. So we want to talk today about divine design, divine design, and this is kind of the kickoff message, and we're going to talk about different topics in the coming four weeks. It was April the 11th, 1970, and the mission was to the moon. I think it was Apollo 13, and they blasted off. Things were going great, and um, then something happened. Two days into the mission uh, on Friday the 13th. Uh, on the 13th, they had a huge explosion, an oxygen tank exploded on their air, on their spacecraft. And, of course, that's when the famous saying came about that we heard, Houston, we have a problem. And they certainly did. In fact, it almost cost them their lives. In fact, I'll say this. Only through extraordinary means and desperate measures did those men make it back to Earth safely. Well, I want to stand before you today as your pastor and tell you in the area of family and home, and marriage, we have a problem. We have a problem. And I honestly believe that the answer to that lies in God Almighty. We say, well, Dwayne, just how big is the problem? Well, I got on the Internet even this morning and just you know, Googled a couple things and got some numbers for you. And understand that you make numbers say whatever you want to. Just let these ring into your heart. Um, 51% of marriages in the church, now not outside the church, 51 of people who regularly attend church, their marriages end in divorce. 51%. And those who get remarried, 60% of those marriages end in divorce. Now, don't let the familiarity with that half of marriages end in divorce thing blow that out of the water for you. 51% of people who regularly attend church end up in divorce court. That's staggering, and that is sad. Then... 74% of adults who experienced a divorce reported that they were happily married just five years before. 74% of the people who responded said, if you go back five years in our marriage, I was happily married. And five years, they went from happily married to a divorce. Think about that. 60% of married men and 40% of women. 60% of married men. And I think, by the way, I Googled Christian men, okay? 
in, within Christian circles. 60% of men and 40% of, a woman, of women will have an affair in their married lives. Over half the men and almost half the women will have an affair within their marriage. 68% of them responded and said, I never dreamed it would happen to me. I never dreamed it would happen to me. Listen to these numbers on porn, pornography. Porn is reported to be a $12 billion industry in the United States. 50%, say 50%. 50% of men view pornography within one week of attending a Promise Keepers event. Remember Promise Keepers? Where all the good guys go and get charred up for their families? 50% of those men said, I viewed porn on the internet within the last week before attending the event. 54% of pastors said they viewed porn within the last year in a pastors.com survey. 54% of pastors said they viewed porn within the last year, according to the survey. In a 2003 Focus on the Family poll, 47% of respondents said porn is a problem in their home. 47%. 70%—seven out of ten high school graduates who normally attend church, were raised to attend church, who regularly attended church, will drop out of church when they get to college and stay out for at least a year, many of them not coming back. Now, please keep in mind, regular attendees at church, they go to college, 7 out of 10, say 7 out of 10, 7 out of 10 will drop out of church, stay out at least a year, and many never come back. Suicide is the third leading cause of death among teenagers and adolescents. In a survey of high school students, the National Youth Violence Prevention Resource Center found that almost one in five teens have thought about suicide. One in six teens have made plans for suicide. And more than one in 12 teens have attempted suicide. 25% of children in America, fully one-fourth of children in America, are being raised in a single-parent home. 40% of children in America are raised without their dad. And then, and this kind of follows the divorce number, 50% of children will go through the tragedy of the divorce and see their parents divorce. Those are tough numbers, folks. And again, keep in mind, unfortunately, a lot of those numbers were about us. Not the carnal world out there, but us. And then you throw into the mix the homosexual issues that are just rampant today in society and in church. Um... If I'm not mistaken, the guy who wrote the song that Donnie sang today came out of the closet and said, I'm homosexual. How sad is that? Throw into the mix the attempt to undermine marriage, to introduce same-sex marriage, introduce to the, the pressure that the kids are under. You know, I was one of those guys when I was younger. I'm 57 now. When I was younger, and I'd hear youth pastors, and I'd hear kids saying, well, it's different now. It's harder to be a teenager. And I'd go, oh, it was hard when I was a teenager. We, and, you know, I was raised in the 60s and 70s. We had the drug culture and the free sex thing going on there. It was hard then, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to look you dead in the eye and tell you this. It is hard to be a teenager today. 
There is pressures today that you and I as, as medium and older adults cannot even comprehend. That's why that suicide number is so high. Throw that into the mix. And you have a recipe for a crumbling society. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We need divine intervention. Amen? We need divine intervention. Now, my, you, you know this part of my brain? I know you are listening today, but you're just kind of quiet today. And some of y'all are chatting out there, talking to your friends and stuff. And you know, I just want to tell you something. Already some of you have said, don't need this, Dwayne. My wife and I are happily married. I will never have an affair. I will not look at porn. I will not, I will not, I will not. And you're the victim I'm looking at. You're the next person. Because I remind you, 74% of those folks said, five years ago I was happily married. I can tell you man after man after man who will tell you the problem of pornography in their lives. I know children, our children, who are raised in our youth program who left Dorisville and do not attend church. Lots of them. This is a prevalent problem, and if we don't do something, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. We need divine intervention. And here's the deal. I'm going to be very candid. But listen carefully, because some of you are going, oh, you know, I can't believe you said that. Religion is not the answer. Religion is not the answer. Whether it be Christianity or Buddhism or Hinduism or whatever you want to call it, that's not the answer. Church is not the answer. If church was the answer, that 51% divorce rate would not be there. If attending church somehow was the answer, I'd be able to report to you today that, that 8%, 6% of married couples that go to church have a divorce. So church is not the answer. Now here's the shocking one. You didn't push back with those. The Bible's not even the answer. The Bible's not the answer. See, this is so much more than just a book. But if all you do is read this, it's just a book. The answer is in the Bible. And the answer is in the application of the Bible. See, somehow, you're going to get a sermon on this in July, but somehow we've, we've got in our brain that somehow we get credit for going to church. If somehow we wake up in the morning and groggily read through a chapter that somehow that's going to really help us in our life. Friend, it is reading, meditating, and applying the Word of God that makes a difference in our lives. And we don't get that. Some of y'all will sit there and say, Dwayne, I listened to the message, and you will not apply one thing I say today. That does no good. Knowledge without application is just knowledge. So I am going to encourage you over the next several weeks to come with your listening ears on, your heart on, asking the Holy Spirit who inspired this book that we love so much to help us hear and apply the Word of God. Now, the sermon only has two points today. And the first one is this. Divine rule number one. We need divine. Amen? We need divine. Take your Bibles and look in John chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. John chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. Now, the first part of the message really applies to life. Now, we're going to touch on the family issues, but it really applies to life, okay? Because let me tell you what makes a difference in, in all of this. It's relationship. It's relationship with God. That's what makes the difference. Here's what Jesus said. He said in John 15, 5, verse number 15, 5, he said, 
I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. Look, look, he defines it. I am, you are. I am, you are. And here's the deal. I am the vine, and you are a branch on the vine. Now, this signifies relationship. That's why church isn't the answer. That's why just reading the Bible is not the answer to the Bible. For a lost person, the Bible is still a great book to read. But again, the Holy Spirit living in a believer is what gives the book its power. So, so he says, man, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be the vine, and I want you to plug into me, and I want to have this powerful relationship. And within that relationship, some things are going to happen. Within that relationship, there's going to be some DNA transfer. In other words, the core values that the vine has becomes the core values that the branch has. I'm going to transfer to you the things that prioritize and really, really matter in life. I'm going to transfer that. I'm going to transfer sustenance for life. I'm going to transfer food. As as the vine, I'm going to transfer you the power and the sustenance that you need to not only just live, but to live successfully and powerfully in this life. He says, I am the vine, and you are a branch on this vine. But you have to have a relationship. And in case you're here today and say, well, Dwayne, what do you mean by relationship with God? Well, here's the bottom line. God is holy. God is holy, and we in our natural state are not. In fact, we're pagans. We're totally depraved. We have nothing really spiritual to bring to God and say, God, you should let me into your family. So we're totally separated from God as we are naturally born. But because God loved us so much and because He desired to bring men back into relationship with Him, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. Because the wages of sin was death. And so Jesus Christ died for our sin. And whoever is willing to receive that gift, that forgiveness in their lives, and make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ for their lives, then they come back in relationship with God. And that's what I mean by relationship. Again, you don't need church. You don't need religion. You don't need to be a badness. You need Jesus Christ in your life. He makes the difference. He makes the difference in your life. So He's the vine. And He invites you to be a branch into that vine. To give you the sustenance. To, to, to give you the DNA. To give you the health that you need to live in this life. Not only in the area of family. But in every area of your life. So, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now watch this. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, is he that bears much fruit. Now, now those of you who are a little bit internet and computer savvy, knows there's, know there's uploads and there's downloads. Is that right? Okay. What do we upload? In the area of abiding, which is intimacy, which is intimacy, what do we upload? It's this. Father, I love you. God, I love you. God, I trust you. God, I need you. It's, it's a cry of dependence on God. See, the problem in America, so many Christians say, I can do this family gig. We have a, we have a, we have a thought pattern that says, God, I'll call you if I need you. God, if I get in trouble, God, I'll let you know. But, but if, if not, I can handle it. I can do marriage. I can do parenting. I can do life. We can't. Come on, we can't. So we got to upload, upload prayers of dependence. God, I can't do it without you. And what does he download? Help. Strength. Wisdom that we need to live, to live life. 
That word abiding there, he who abides in me, is the idea of tearing. It's, it's the desire to be with that person. And, and the Bible is saying, Jesus is saying, you've got to have a relationship that you and I want to hang around each other. You know, when I started dating Judy, I dated her on a Tuesday night. Um, met her like on Sunday, dated her on Tuesday, and I'm pretty sure, unless I was out of town, we didn't miss more than one or two days for the next 18 months we were married that we weren't together. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Every night when I left, she didn't say, okay, Dwayne, here's $5, come back tomorrow night. She didn't have to pay me to come back. You know why? Because I wanted to abide with her. I, as we grew in our relationship, my day wasn't complete until I was with the one I love. And I am telling you today, in the name of Jesus Christ, that is the relationship we've got to have with God. It's not this casual, I'll show up on Sunday when it's convenient for me, when the, when the weather's too bad for the lake, or, or when something else isn't going on, I'll show up on Sunday. That is not abiding, that's church. And it's no wonder our families and our lives are so messed up. Jesus invites us to abide with Him, to be intimate with Him, to have a relationship with Him that goes somewhere beyond even husband-wife relationships. So He says, man, he who abides in me and I in Him, who has the upload and download, beyond religion, beyond church, He says, he who bears much fruit. It is he who has the abundant life. It is he who has a great measure of success in marriage. It is he who has a great measure of success in parenting. It is he who has a great measure of success in overcoming pornography. I'm finally old enough. For the longest time, I was that young pastor. I'm not young anymore. I've been doing this for 28 years. I've been your pastor in July 11 years. I've been married in June 35 years. I'm not the new kid on the block. And let me tell you what I have seen. I have seen divorce happen in couples. I've seen two people who were casually committed to Jesus Christ go separate ways. I have seen one passionate person and one casually com committed person get divorced. I have never, would you say never please? Now, 28 years, I have never seen two fully devoted, committed disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ go to divorce court. Never. And frankly, I never will because divorce occurs when one person chooses to stop abiding and do church. I'm telling you that abiding in Christ will make the difference in your life, in your marriage, and in your family. And it's a journey that the power comes when the two walk together. He who abides in me and I in him, the same bears much fruit. Because listen to this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Time out. I don't think it's really talking about you can't do nothing. As much as talking about you can't do it the way God does it. 
I mean, if you choose, like, like you're not a believer today, can you be a parent? Well, duh. Can, can you be a husband? Well, yeah. Can, can you do a, do, be a wife? Yeah. But I'm telling you, you can never do it best. Let me ask you a question. How many people win a race? If you're running a race, how many winners are there? One. One. Do you know what you call second place? The first loser. You say, Dwayne, I can, I can do this marriage thing. I can do life this thing. Yeah, but you know what you always have? Second best. Third. Fourth. Some of the marathon runners are just content to finish. I am telling you, God's not called you to second place. God's not called you to third place. God's not called you to 3,437th place. He has called you to the victory circle and says, I want you to be victorious in your marriage, in life, and in your family. But I am telling you, I look you dead in the eye, and I will tell you, it only happens in a close, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. You can go to church till you're blue in the face, and it may or may not help your marriage. You abide in Jesus Christ, and it will. And it will. And it will. Even if one partner is not cooperating, you will be stronger as you abide in Christ. If your child's rebellious, as you, as godly parents, God will give you wisdom in dealing with that rebellious child. We can't do it without Jesus. I can do, you can do, Jesus said. Who? Jesus said, nothing. It will always be second place, third place, fourth place. And that's why I think 51% of marriages end in divorce in the church. That's why 50% of men who attend a promise keeper of the men knew porn the week before. Because they said, I can do it. I can handle it. And we've not learned the incredible lesson that we can't. There must be a divine desperation for God and for Jesus Christ. Now, what does that look like? Look at verse number 7. If you abide in me, now watch how he says it this time. If you abide in me, now what's abide in me? Say intimacy. It's upload. I need you, God. I worship you, God. I depend on you, God. God, without you, it's not going to happen. God, it's your deal over my deal. God, it's your will over my will. God, it's you, it's you, it's you. It's worship. You're the creator, God. You're God and I'm not. If you abide in me, and watch this, my words abide in you. Notice he didn't say, if you read my words. Did he say that? Come on, did he say that? If my words abide in you, if my words flourish in you, if you take what you read in the Holy Word of God and choose on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to apply it to your situation, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
Well, Dwayne, that's, yeah, that may be true, but that's hard. Facing parenting and doing it my way, I don't know. Facing the prospects of the, of the pain of a divorce, I don't know. Facing the prospects of your wife finding out that you're looking at porn at 12 o'clock when she wakes up to go to the bathroom and finds you on the computer, I don't know. That's hard. Abiding in Jesus, that's easier. So we've got to learn, you're going to hear this again in July, You've got, we've got to learn to apply the word. Doing is everything. Hearing is just one small segment. We've got to apply the word of God. And if we do that, whatever we ask, he'll give us. Now, now time out. Time out. You know, I've been wanting this, this Mustang GT. You know, and if I do this stuff, then I get the Mustang GT? No, 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 no. Because, see, when you're abiding in Christ, all your want to start to change. And all of a sudden, the things you're asking for fall right within the will of God, which is 1 John 5, 14. And we know that He hears us when we ask Him what? According to His will. His will. His will. So, so He says, so He says, you know, if you're biting me and my words are biting you, ask what you will or what you wish, and you'll get it. Incredible. Wouldn't you really like for your marriage to be better? Wouldn't you really like for God to save your marriage? Wouldn't you like for your kids not to be one of the seven out of ten? Wouldn't you like for your child to grow up understanding that it's not about money and things? That there's something far more to life than amassing the toys and he who with the most toys at the end wins? This is stuff we want. We just left out the fact that we're dependent on God. And without God going to happen. I mean, it, won't, it can't happen like God can make it happen. Again, you can raise your kids, but it won't happen like if you truly abided in Christ. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to know this, guys. Not necessarily a kid thing as much as just life. When I'm leaning on God, it's amazing how smooth the road is. And when I'm not, it's amazing how big the potholes are. It's incredible. It's incredible. Now, look what he says last. By this, my Father is glorified. Oh, wait, time out. I remember the preacher talking about a to-do list. And what's on God's to-do list? To bring glory to His name and bring people into the kingdom. Come on, say it with me. Bring glory to His name and bring people into His kingdom. That's God's to-do list. Okay, watch this. By this, my Father is glorified. What, what, what? Tell us, Jesus. That you bear much fruit. God says, do you want to glorify me? Then bear much fruit. God is glorified. Watch, watch, watch. God is glorified by our success in Him. God is glorified by our success in Him. And he is dishonored by our success without him. Chew on that one. At lunch today, chew on the cut a while. God is honored by our success in him. By this, the Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, that you have this success in marriage, in life, and in family. In him. Not apart from him. 
bring glory to God by having success in Him. So And so prove to be my disciples. Prove to who? There's a world out there. And they're going to see some authentic Christianity. What's God's to list? Glorify His name. Bring people into the kingdom. Can I be very candid with you? Right now, the world looks at us and goes, it's not working for them, it probably won't work for me. When half of the defendants in divorce court are Christian, the, the world goes, ain't working. When your child goes to college and meets a guy or girl who's never gone to church and your child's not in church either, and they go, dude, thought you said you were a Christian. Yeah, dude, that church thing is dead. What happens, though, when all of a sudden that divorce rate drops from 51% down to 6 7 8%? What happens when our children go to college and they choose, they choose, they choose to get up on Sunday morning of their own volition and say, I want to go to the house of God. Mom was not there to make me. Daddy's not there. The youth pastor's not there. I'm going to church because I love God. How incredible is that? Do you think it'd be a witness? How about this? How about a testimony? How about a testimony of a man or woman who violated their marriage vows and had an affair? Who had the courage to stand up here and say, that was me. I'm one of those 60%. I never dreamed it would be me. But I want to tell you something. By God's grace, I have been forgiven. And I sought my wife's forgiveness or my husband's forgiveness. And I stand before you today a product of His grace. And as God forgave me, He can forgive you. There's power in that. There's power in that. What about a man who says, who can stand before a men's group and say, I was one of the 50%. I would go to church on Sunday and Saturday night I was looking at porn on the internet. And I sang the songs. Jesus paid it all. I did all of that. I want to know something. God has helped me by His grace to overcome this addiction, and I am now free from pornography. As God set me free, He can set you free. There's power in that. The world is not impressed with our attendance. They're impressed by our life change. At least that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. So it's time to move from self-dependence to total reliance on God. It's time to move from a casual relationship to an intimacy with God. And I, you say, well, Dwayne, how do you get intimate with God? You ask your wife what she wants from you. You know what she's going to tell you? Time. God wants some face time with you. And you know what else He wants? Authenticity. He don't want you in his private, you know, in your quiet room, even when you pull aside the time and say, God, this is Dwayne, and you pray this plastic prayer. You know, God bless all the missionaries and God forgive my sins. God loves it when we get on our face before him in intimacy. And say, God, this is the junk that's going on in my life. I know you already know, but I'm just telling you, I know it's junk. And God, I need you to overcome this junk. God, I'm concerned for my son. I'm concerned for my daughter. God, please deliver them from where they're headed. God, my marriage is in shambles. And he or she just won't help. God, please. God honors that. And that's intimacy. 
authenticity with God. How incredible is that? How incredible is that? See, there's only a couple rules today. Rule number one is what? We need divine. I, I hope you'll take it home. I know some of you, t- I say some things sometimes and y'all just cringe. When I say we don't need church, I'm not saying don't come to church, but church isn't the answer. When I say you don't need, we don't need religion, religion's not the answer. Jesus Christ, first in relationship and then abiding is. An intimate relationship. We need divine. So Dwayne, what's rule number two? See rule number one. See rule number one. Here's what Jesus, or here's what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 127, verses one and two. Unless the Lord builds the house, let me time out there. Unless the Lord builds the house, the word house there in the Hebrew refers to the family. Refers to the family. So this is a scripture taken in context. That, that the Word of God says, unless God builds the family, those who build it labor in vain. In other words, if you're trying to build your family, build your marriage, build your life, and God's not included, you're building it in vain. If there's not that intimacy and abiding, you're building it in vain. If we were talking about in contractor terms, one, you need to hire the contractor. Two, you've got to let him do his job. Hire the contractor, let him do his job. Imagine this. Judy and I decide to build a pergamum. I think that's that right. Is that what? Per- pergamum? All right, it's this wood thing that kind of has boards on it. Okay? Okay, so I had my mind's eye. Okay, now I'm a pretty common sense kind of guy. I said, I'm going to attach it to my garage. I'm going to put four poles out here. And then I'm going to run stringers from the garage out of those four poles with boards running this way. And the stringers will rest on these boards and tie it all together. I also had enough common sense. Terry uh, Blackburn was saying how he built a porch. And he was saying, I, I was halfway expecting you to come over and help me. I get, dude, you don't want me to help. You see, I can't afford to hire a contractor, but I can't afford not to. I am construction challenged. So we had this idea for the Pergama. So I invited, invited, <laughs> I asked, I guilt-tripped a couple of friends into helping me, you know, and they came over, okay? And I kind of explained, you know, okay, yeah, what we're going to do, you know. Now, how foolish would it have been for me to, you know, if they, these two guys know more about construction than I'll ever know, okay? If I said, no, 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 don't do it that way, do it this way. Why hire, why ask men who know what they're doing to help you if you're going to tell them what to do? Why invite God into your life and then tell God what to do? Is there a problem there? I I said, is there a problem there? Or, what if I said to them, hey, there's a tailor, sit down and drink Kool-Aid, I'll build the Pergamum. Do you understand that's what we do with God? Okay, God, I want you in my life. Now, God, you sit around and drink Kool-Aid. And if I get in trouble, if I have a question, I'll let you know. The psalmist says, if the Lord doesn't build the house, you build it in vain. In fact, I'll just tell you the truth. We followed my design. It worked. I'd have left it there. 
But the guy who knew the most went over and went, oh, 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 oh. He said, Dwayne, if we don't do something, that's coming down. First big windstorm. I had no supports this way. So when he saw supports this way, I wouldn't have thought of that. He knew exactly what to do. I invite you to come over after church. And I want you to lean on my Pergamum. And I want you to shake it because, baby, she's rock solid because the expert built it. And I'm telling you, if you'll let God build your house, it'll be rock solid because the expert built it. I'm telling you. I will speak with the authority of God's holy word and look you dead in the eye and tell you that. Brother Dwayne, I'm doing my best. I'm doing what I think is best for my children. That's very noble. God bless you. But you are flirting with disaster. Because I'm telling you, we don't get it right and God never gets it wrong. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the family, please keep in mind, based on John 15, the abiding relationship of God. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. He goes a bit further. He says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Dwayne, I can protect my family. Dwayne, I can... I'm a good I can protect my family. No, you can't. Satan's so much better than you. Are you concerned about your kids? Why are y'all so quiet today? This ain't even a hard message. Well, maybe it is. Are you concerned about your kids? Do you really want your child? Now, now some of you have graduates, and you're not going to be there to watch over them anymore. In fact, have you figured it out? When they turn 16 and got that license and you give them a car, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know what they're doing. You can't protect them. But Scripture says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. See, God is like omnipresent. He can go with your child. And if you've taught your child to abide in Christ, he'll be there with them. Rule number one, looking back in perspective. Always send four boys with your daughter on a date. Always send four boys on a date when your daughter goes on a date. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Teach your child that. It's a rich investment. Because you can't protect your child. Satan's good, guys. He's good. And the biggest protection is you pouring your life that's filled with God into their life that's filled with God. And that will... I remember the, old, remember the kids' song from Bill Gaither? You know, how do we make the right choices? By abiding in Christ, pouring your life into their life, filled with Christ. And then when they go on their own, they'll make choices that are wise. Church can't do that. My sermons can't do that. Your religion can't do that. But the living, resurrected Jesus Christ can. 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 Verse number two. It's vain. It's useless. 
that you rise up early and go to bed late, eating the bread of anxious torment. We can, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't know. What, what, about, what, about, what about my marriage? What about my parenting? What about my children? What about life? What about my career? It's, oh, it's vain. It's useless. But that person who abides, look at this. He gives to his beloved sleep. You know what else you gain when you abide in Christ? Peace. Peace. Because there may be a storm, but you know the master of the storm. If you couldn't amen on that, we're in deep weeds. Let's try one more time. You probably were just sleeping. Let's try it again. There may be a storm, but you know the master of the storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There may be a train wreck, but you know the captain of the rescue team. That's what I'm talking about, guys. Now, this is one of those messages where someone's going through the door this morning and going to say, well, Brother Dwayne, we were listening. We were just quiet. I understand that. But you know what my fear is? That I'm thinking to a whole lot of people are going to say, nice message, Dwayne. I like that preacher preaches the Word of God, but you're going to go out and not change a thing in your life. And the storm will come. Didn't Jesus, did Jesus tell a parable about that? Steve, you remember Jesus telling a story about that? About somebody who built their house on the sand. And the person who built their house on the sand, the storm came and it fell flat. And it seems to me he said that was like the person who heard the word of God and did nothing. And the storms came and the house was flat. But he did, Fred, didn't he say something about also? He said that a person built their house on the rock, which is a lot harder. Built a house on the rock. And when the storms came, the house stood firm. And what was that person like? The person who heard the word of God and did it. And did it. And did it. Okay. So over the next four weeks, we're going to have four topics. We can't cover everything to deal with family. But next week, we're going to talk about sexual purity. We're going to talk about addressing sexual sin. Some of y'all are going... Won't be here next week. <laughs> That's the problem when you warn, you know. But we're talking about what's the Bible say about sexual purity? Then we're the, the next week we're going to talk about divine wisdom. How do you choose the right mate? And if I got time, what do you do if you chose the wrong mate? Okay. The third week, which is Father's Day, divine parenting. What does God's word say about parenting? And lastly, which again I'm really excited because. It's our 35th anniversary on that Sunday. It's divine for a lifetime. What does the Bible say about staying together for a lifetime? God's perspective on marriage. I'm really looking forward to sharing God's word with you. But if I could, if, if I mean this too, I would get on my, I'd get on my knees if I could beg you. I'd do whatever I could. I don't want you to just hear these messages. I love you to look in the eye and say this. I want you to apply them. God wants you to apply them. Well, why, Dwayne? I've seen too many train wrecks. I've seen too many marriages fall apart. I've seen too many affairs. I've seen too many guys who've done porn. And I'm so bad. And by the way, just so you'll know, one, I don't have a porn problem. But two, but two, but there, by the grace of God, I don't go. It's only God's grace. It could happen to me. 
better think that because if not, Satan got you right where he wants you. As soon as you say, it'll never happen to me, he goes, oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that. We need Jesus in our lives. Would you bow your heads right there? Today, if you're here, maybe you kind of just came to church on whim. I know it's kind of a small crowd for us Memorial Day weekend. Or maybe you come every week. I don't know. But you know, I was 21 when I met Jesus Christ. I'd been in church all my life. I was a religious nut. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, visitation, the whole nine yards. Did not know Jesus. Did not know Jesus. And a Sunday morning between Sunday school and church, I met him. I got the real deal. And I am so far from perfect, but I've never been the same. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front here in just a moment. We're going to have people stand in a moment, you know, with their eyes closed kind of thing. But if you'd like to know, I'm not trying to make it hard for you, but the truth is Brent's got some answers you need. And we'll invite you as we stand in a moment, just come down and take Brent by the hand and say, I want to know how I can have a relationship with God. Not necessarily because your marriage is a mess, but that's a good motivator. Not maybe because your parenting skills are a mess, that's a good motivator. But because you realize today that you sinned against holy God. And you need to have those sins forgiven. We invite you. This is probably the kind of message where I'm not going to get a lot of traffic at the altar. I'm not being a naysayer. But the truth is, probably with those topics we covered, hit on around the people say, I'm not going down front. They might think I've got a porn problem. Ah, okay, I understand that. But I'll just tell you this. If you want to come forward and have some folks pray for you, maybe you've got a child you're concerned about, maybe a marriage you're concerned about, we've got some friends who want to pray with you. But here's the good part. You can pray right where you are. And I would hope every person here, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to do this, would say, okay, God, you got my attention today. I want to abide in you. Would you take your word over the next four weeks and multiply it in my life? Help me to learn to abide in you for these four essential areas of family life. And I believe that God Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you today for your word. It's incredible. It's just incredible. Jesus, we acknowledge you today that you are the vine and we are mere branches. And that if we abide in you and you abide in us, we can bear incredible fruit. But God, we also heard today from your word that without you we can do nothing. We need you, God. We need you in life. But we need you in our marriages, in our homes, as moms and dads. We need you. So we pray, Father, for you, for the Holy Spirit to work. Father, I thank you for my friends today who, who may not know you today, who may not have a relationship with you. God, may they understand how much you love them and that by your amazing grace you desire to forgive them of all the sins of the past and all the sins of the future. And bring them to relationship so they can plug into the vine and be a branch and have the source of strength that you offer. God, please give them the courage to walk down, take Brent by the hand and say, okay, I want to be a part of this vine. I want to know Jesus. Tell me how. And I know God, you'll honor that sincerity. Father, Satan's had his way 
way too long. Father, give us victory. Give us the victory you want for us. May you be glorified in our success that is found in you. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. ask you to stand to your feet, please. Just bow your heads right there where you are. Dave's going to sing for us. Great song of worship. Brent is waiting down front. If you made a decision to trust Christ, and you don't know you trust Christ, don't you sure it's there or not?